DJ and PK brought to you by WCF Insurance, reminding you to be careful out there. PK. What? How could he? Because he's a jerk. <laughs> Joe Ingalls just tweeting out. First time listening to that. David DJ James and that PK Kinahan without myself on the show. Man, I really make them who they are. <laughs> I got a trivia question for you. Uh-huh. Who's the most overrated left-handed shooter from Australia? I'm trying to think of another left-handed shooter from Australia. I'll just go with Joe Ingles. Yes. Gosh, I can't believe the Jazz haven't cut him by now. <laughs> <laughs> well, never do what the Clippers do. <laughs> Oh, man. I mean, I get it. They brought him on to be a big brother for Dante uh, Exum. Okay, Mm -hmm. well, Exum is gone now, Mm -hmm. so I think it's high time to send Joe back down under. (laughs) He would willingly go. If you could keep the checks coming. No, no, (laughs) heck no. No, 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 no. Not at all. You know, Joe, he's such a backstabber. (laughs) I sent the gif of David Stern drinking water on TV and gagging and choking, so he can enjoy that. I sent the gif of me punching him in the head. <laughs> Braden sent a gif. Here I go, carrying the team again, and there's some six-foot dude out in the forest, and he's got another six-foot guy at his back, and he's carrying him. Eric says, that's the truth. Oh, come on, Eric. He's hurting our feelings. And Joe, you, Joe, you, Joe. You'd scoot and boogie. I'll agree to that. I made Joe Ingles. <laughs> I, I identified him out of the crowd, and I made Joe Ingles. You are the Walt Perrin of radio. <laughs> I'm the talent evaluator, and I plucked him out of obscurity, and look where he is now. I gave him the confidence to think, yeah, I can do this. And that's what that's how he repays. That's so typical of the young, younger generation. Ingratitude. <laughs> the younger generation. <laughs> A foreign guy in my land, no less. <laughs> I should tell. I think I told him the story. There was uh, one time. It was a Friday night. True story. Mm-hmm. Uh, I left my family we we're gonna go we we're going to uh and i have a very small family so we were gonna go to a jazz game on a friday night not as a media guy but just as a, a, as fans for something to do right and so i left my kid my wife and a couple kids at maxwell's downtown right we liked their pizza they got some italian food and and so it was a Friday night, so I left them there. And what I did was I parked at the parking lot that we normally park in, right? So it was before the game. And so then I was uh, going to take the tracks over to the restaurant, and then when we were done, we'd take the tracks back. So I'd already have the parking taken care of, right? And I didn't, wouldn't have to worry about trying to park downtown. Well... It was a it was a nice evening. It was early in the season, so I decided I'm just going to walk, you know, and maybe do a little jog. And so I get down. What's that? Is that on Main Street, Maxwell's? We've, yeah, we've it's, done it's shows just there. like a like a block yeah, down, south. Down of, from Channel Two. Yeah, it's a block south. Yeah, 
And so I'm getting real close to it, and somebody, uh, the couple, a couple of people, they stopped me, and they asked me uh, where the arena was. Well, it was clear that they had an accent, and so I asked them. I said, "Where are you from?" And they said, "Australia." I said, "Oh yeah." I said, "Yeah, I know Joe Ingles." And they sort of looked at me, like, on the intro. Who? What? Well, (laughs) true story. True story. The reason why they were going was to see Dante Axum. (laughs) (laughs) So at this point, Joe hadn't blown up yet. He was still the the fourth wing. I don't remember. It it was probably, yeah, it it must have been to where he wasn't the full-fledged guy that he has been, what, the last two, three seasons. So it must have been early on. But they had no idea who Joe was. But they knew who Axum was. And they wanted to see... And they were going to the game. They had tickets to the game, and but they weren't sure where the arena was. They were downtown, and they knew obviously it was in the general area. And they asked me because we were at the stoplight, and I just thought it was funny that uh, they didn't know Joe, but they knew Dante. Now you'd have to agree, as an NBA player, so far anyway, Joe is more accomplished than Dante Exum. Dante Exum has had one injury after another and hasn't been able to get on the floor. Uh, consistently. So, you know, Joel thinking he's all that. Well, you know, maybe he isn't all that to some people. Who knows, huh? Yeah, that was then. This is now. Now he's all that. <laughs> we'll, yeah. have to ask him, we'll have to ask him when we get him on, unless he calls in now because he's really bored. Uh, we'll have to ask him when we get him on how long he's been playing for the Australian national team because that's the thing is that I'm pretty sure he's been doing that for a while now. So I would think yeah, he ain't no a... Patty Mills here, buddy. <laughs> oh, now, now you're just he ain't no Aaron now, Baines. Now you're just trying to provoke him into calling. <laughs> he ain't no Patty Mills. I mean, he's a nice player on their team, but let's keep Joe, perspective. I can totally picture Joe in his car now. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to give in to these guys. I'm not going to call. But Patty Mills, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that made him wince. He thought about well, it. He looked at his phone. Should I? Should I? <laughs> he's probably in the practice facility by now. I think he was, he's was. he been getting in at 8 o'clock. Could be. Uh, uh, he's been doing the, the 7.30 hour now for probably close to a month uh, as far as uh, him getting over there. We know he's an early morning dude anyway. Well, they, they're, so, still not doing, they're still not doing things in groups, so... They got to space him out. He said there's like four guys on the courts and they're all, if, you, if you've been in a place, I mean, you can be on a court and be a long way away from a guy. It's a big place. Um, but that means, you know, if you're in there for an hour, then it's another hour before somebody else. And I think he just takes one of the earlier times because he's, he's one of the early risers. Yes, he, we, we know that. He prefers to get up early and get in there and get whatever workouts they got going on. So, I mean, he's, he's all right, but... Uh, He's no Andrew Bogut. Just, <laughs> he's no Jock Lawndale. He's, I mean, he's no Matthew Delavadova. Keep him coming. And I was going to say, how many Australians well, can you name? Coming into the conversation here. <laughs> I, now I'm starting to, to run the gamut. Because has Ben Simmons played for them? Yes, he has. He has? Mm-hmm. Okay. These are all NBA players that I'm listing from 
Australia that are active. I mean, I can go back. Andrew Gaze. Luke Longley. Luke Longley for sure, yeah. And Andrew Gaze, wasn't he like the... I think he was the first first one. I think he was the trailblazer. He went to uh, Seton Hall when they had their uh, run to the Final Four to the title game. Yes. I don't think he ever played in the NBA, though. But I remember the name because it was unusual at the time. Now it's unusual if... St. Mary's is not starting three or four Australians. I mean, it's pretty well common that these guys have come over and played. And that, that's the thing about it, too. That, and I like to see that. It's not, not necessarily in the college ranks, but in the professional ranks. You know, it's not unusual to have foreign guys from whatever – whatever area of the world it might be, nobody really bats an eyelash now. And no one bats an eyelash when they're really good. They're not uh, one-trick ponies anymore. They're legitimate. In some cases, they can be stars. Not a lot of foreign guys are stars, but some of them are. I think the biggest foreign star of the NBA of all time is Nowitzki. And I put him ahead of Lajuan because Lajuan came over and played college ball in the U.S. And I think that makes a difference. I think you get the assimilation to the American game uh, if you're going to be playing college ball. And you're going to be playing on a team the caliber of Houston that Dave Rose was on that team and Clyde Drexler. And, and you know they had a really good team, obviously, going to multiple Final Fours. But to think... I thought thought about this. This is really fascinating to me how we can take these these athletes from wherever in the world and they come over to the U.S. and like Nowitzki, he's Mr. Dallas Maverick, is he not? Yes, he, absolutely. And he, he probably will be for a long, long time well, to expect anybody to go in there and have that yeah. and win a title and play there for 20 years and be that good. Well, they got Doncic, so we'll see. Uh, if they didn't have Doncic, you're right. I would think for the rest of my life, and the rest of your life, I mean, we're roughly the same age, you know, for the rest yeah. of our lives, Nowitzki will be Mr. Maverick. But looking at Doncic, Doncic maybe could replace him. Now, to your point, you know, maybe, is he going to win maybe. multiple titles? Is he going to play there his whole career? You know, yeah, is he going to stay healthy? We don't even know that, you know, so. Hey, he's a nice person to put on that uh possibility list but i wouldn't even put porzingis on the possibility list i would not either no yeah if they're going to win a title with those two donches is going to be leading the way yep and and the thing about donches too like dirk i don't really know about porzingis that much but donches has a personality and he likes to be interviewed and he shows his personality and he and he's uh, he's at least trilingual he speaks spanish and, and in this country, you know, speaking Spanish, you can get uh, you can appeal to people, especially down in Texas, yeah. obviously. And so you've got that going on. So, yeah, that's a good possibility that maybe they could have that to well, we'll see how it plays out. But you take a guy like David Ortiz and what he means to Boston and what Pedro Martinez meant. I mean, does that happen anywhere in any professional league anywhere? And I, I guess it's in, they say uh, Pace could probably answer this. And D'Antoni was a little bit of a hero in Italy, but he was of t- Italian descent too. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So he he's of Italian descent. He goes over there and he plays. 
but he had the ethnicity to begin with. I mean, obviously, when we think of Boston, Irish Catholic is a big deal. Well, Ortiz and Pedro Martinez aren't that. But yet they can, they can be accepted as being the stars. And for a while there, when you thought of the Boston Red Sox, you thought of Ortiz first, didn't you? I did. He was the guy. And when they had the, he was when the, they had the, the yeah. issue with the bombing of the uh, marathon, yeah. he was the one who spoke. <laughs> yeah. Blurted out a profanity. Had Fenway, right, everybody goes had nuts. And we going nuts. Right. So he was, he was the spokesman of the Red Sox. That's crazy. And then he was shot, and they brought him back to, to rehab and all that stuff, and still wildly popular. And look at what Joe's done here. A little bit, a little difference in that he's speaking the same language uh, to a degree. Oh, I think that's what, I think that's really critical because I think that uh, humor in a second language is really hard to do, and obviously Joe does it. And Australian English, I mean, there's words and phrases that are different, but you're ninety percent of the way there. You know, there are definitely words, phrases, and expressions that are different, but that's that's a big leg up. That's not speaking. You know, I mean, Rudy Gobert speaking French to English, that's a much bigger jump than Joe Ingles. Yeah. And I think that when you get one of these folks, that they have to be good. You know, if Joe was the third guy off the bench, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have played out. And to bring it back to the Mitchell thing, you know, that's where I think that the fans, they want – identifiable I, I hesitate the word hero uh, to, to use a, a, a someone star? in athletics as, as a hero but just someone who's identifiable to what you're about and if you get one of those guys uh, it is something that you you really treasure and it works and Joe even though he's not a superstar he is still he's so identifiable and synonymous to what the Jazz are about. It really is, it's a phenomenon how you could take someone who lives on the other side of the world, bring him here, and he's like, he's becoming a form of a Mr. Utah. And it really is amazing to me how these connections get started. It's particularly amazing to me if they're not an American, and we've seen that now, but most of them are, obviously, but they have such deep connection with folks and what they have to them. Joe resonates with so many people in this city and in this state. And it, it goes beyond to where could the Jazz, could they actually trade Joe Ingles, do you think? I mean, they could, but what a blow it would be for what they're about. Yeah, they would have to get somebody back that would thrill the fan base. You know, and it doesn't, I mean, it's completely off. Until you said that, it was completely off my radar. I haven't thought about it. I haven't talked to anybody about it. Uh, No one has ever brought it up with me. So the answer to that is no. I mean, obviously, yes, they could. The rules allow it. But it's just, it's not going to happen. But I think it goes back to, and this is, this is the advantage that you have. Even if you come from a foreign country, even if you speak a different language, you know, if you're Rudy Gobert, I mean, early on now, his English is just, you know, it's flawless now. It's, it's not, a, I don't even think. Well, his it. English is better than Joe Ingles' English. But, but in the early, in the early days, I remember talking to a PR guy, can we interview Gobert? How's the English? And he's like, well, 
you, you can try. It's it's okay, you know. Um, you know, he understood you and he could get the answer to you. But now what he can answer in 10 seconds used to take him like 25 or 30 as he reached for words. So it wasn't that great for TV. You know, it just it moved too slowly and it was pretty limited. Um, but I think the thing all those guys have, regardless of what their language skills are when they come here, is that the Jazz have such a deep hold on the community that people want to bond with anybody, no matter where they come from. Uh, Kirilenko came from Russia. People wanted to bond with him. Uh, a second round draft pick. People want to bond with him. They, you know, the, so you got a leg up because people go into it wanting it to work. They want it to work really bad. And we can get to Donovan Mitchell. We talked about it in the seven o'clock hour. And we can hit it here for those of you who just got in your car. Um, but I think that that's some of what. Uh, Donovan's getting that he probably doesn't understand because you and I have worked in the market longer than he's been alive. And so we know the history um, and we know how badly people want to connect with him. So when they feel like they don't, if they feel like they're getting pushed away, whether they are or they aren't, but if they feel like it, then that sense of rejection is intense and that just starts stewing the uh, or starts uh, stirring the toxic stew. We can get to that coming up. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Ow! Basketball is back. The Zone Sports Network is keeping you up on all the latest news with the Utah Jazz in the NBA. This is a back-to-basketball update. Oh, he never looked at the net! Presented by Zions Bank. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 2020 NBA draft have until August 17th to declare that they are entering the draft. Any player who already submitted the paperwork before the original deadline of April 26th, they don't need to reapply. But if a player applied and withdrew his name from the draft, he can jump back in before the August 17th deadline. NBA set its deadline to withdraw as October 6th, 10 days before the October 16th draft. Chinese Basketball Association resumed their season after a five-month shutdown due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Over the weekend, 20 teams played in a limited amount of venues to reduce travel. There's fewer international players, and they have no fans in the stands. Back to Basketball Update is presented by Zions Bank on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Now let's get this party started. This is Hans Olsen and Scotty G on the Zone Sports Network. Stuart Mandel from The Athletic. I have my own concerns of what happens when 40,000 students return to campus and they're going to parties and they're living in close confines and dorms. You know, as a chance of kind of a recipe for disaster, but they can't not have school. There's too much on the line. So they're going to welcome students back. They're going to play college football. I think the thing that we're starting to grapple with with college football is we might start the season on time, but we might not finish it on time. Because if Texas has 13 players that's positive during voluntary workout science. It doesn't always affect anything. If they have five players test positive uh, the week of the Oklahoma game, those five players can't play. Anyway, they came in contact with them, has to be quarantined. You know, does that lead to the cancellation of the game? It's going to be the weirdest season ever because I think that that's going to happen from time to time. Hanson Scotty. Weekdays from 10 to 2 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Got a question up on our Facebook page about Donovan Mitchell. What are you thinking about everything you saw on social media over the weekend? I know a lot of you saw it. We talked about it in the last hour. 
So, Donovan Mitchell, and it actually started with a jazz post about Black Lives Matter. And Donovan didn't like some of the responses he saw to that. He had a post on Instagram. He commented on Twitter about the responses he got there. Uh, the Trib wrote a story. There's several stories about it. And PK, at the, at the root of all this, well, there's multiple roots. There isn't just one. Um, but the basketball perspective of this that we're seeing, which is obviously just one and arguably not the most important one, but the basketball side of this is Jazz fans, as soon as Donovan got good, we started hearing from fans who thought he was going to leave. And with, the, well, I, want, I almost said the discussion of race on social media, but I knew you would immediately say, it ain't a discussion, DJ. <laughs> it's people making statements at each other. <laughs> but people are looking at that and thinking, man, how is Donovan going to stay here now? That is uh, a big chunk of what I'm seeing on social media from jazz fans right now. That... There are too many people going to Donovan. Donovan is offended, and this is wrecked. Okay, well, there's all sorts of responses. I know, you can pick one because there are many ways to take that. You can look at these situations, and it's, it's not real conversation on social media. There's no understanding. It's point, counterpoint, counterpoint, point, and so forth and so on. And you're not even really sure what the original point is because there's very little amplification. Like, what do you mean by that? Nobody ever says that. Somebody puts something out and then another person responds to it. Uh, and what's, what's the original point? And it just, it, it is so pointless, really. Uh, but if you look at this, and the, the underlying theme is that Salt Lake City area and Utah is racist, so Donovan Mitchell doesn't want to be there. And the thing about all this stuff that's been going on, as, as I see it, and it's just one person's opinion, I'm not saying I'm right or wrong, I'm probably wrong anyway. Certainly I've been wrong in a lot of other things that matter in life. Um, as we have this movement for racial equality, which you know, I think everybody agrees, racial equality is a I good don't, thing. I don't think everybody but, does, and I think that's a big <laughs> Well, that's what problem. I'm saying. Yeah. Okay, and this is where I'm going. Everybody that I would view as, I didn't finish, everybody that I would review as rational. Because that's the point. If you're looking for complete and total elimination of racism, well, keep looking. (laughs) Because you are never, ever going to get that. And you're always going to get all this negative stuff, particularly when it's anonymous. Jeannie Buss released this letter last week that was just absolutely disgusting. Well, you're always going to have that. Are we going to focus on the fringe? Now, some people may argue it's not the fringe. It's actually far more. Maybe it is. Maybe it isn't. I don't know. But that stuff is always going to be out there. There's a couple of players, incoming freshmen, at Arizona State, and they went to a Whataburger, and apparently some old white lady called him the N-word. And that blew up on ESPN because Ryan Clark, his son, is an incoming freshman in Tempe, and Ryan Clark is on the ESPN stuff to talk about football. They brought him on there. And he started crying, basically, talking about it. And then they have uh, one of the anchors. I think as uh, you guys would know this, you follow this stuff. His name is, uh, I want to say, Matt Berry. 
not the old quarterback at uh, BYU. Uh, yeah, it was. Matt and Barry. he's an anchor, and he and he grew up in Arizona, and he went to ASU, and he apologized for the state of Arizona. And you can go look it up. I didn't. I saw the apology on social media. I didn't watch it live, but I saw it. And he apologizes because some old white lady called these two or three young football players the N-word. Now, should she have done it? Absolutely not. 100% ridiculous. Why in the world would you do that? Don't support that at all. But do we think we're ever going to live in a world where people aren't going to use that word and use it in a derogatory manner? I don't know that it's ever going to be eliminated. It should be, and hopefully in heaven it is. And you guys let me know when you come down and visit me uh, because I don't know that it's ever going to happen. And Whitlock, back to Whitlock, he wrote a column about it on Saturday saying, well, wait a second here. So these people are going nuts on this. He called it, they cited Bigfoot. That's what his thing was. That The point is, it's always going to be out there. And are we going to go crazy every time it happens? Now, it's easy for me to say because I'm not the the 20-year-old young black kid who's at Whataburger and gets called that. But his point was, are we ever going to eliminate it? So to bring it back to Mitchell, wherever you go, you, you pick a team. What's the most woke city out there? Is it Portland these days? So go play for the Blazers? I don't know. I'm just putting that out there. My guess is if you put something out on social media, you're going to get some response from some what I consider fringe lunatics. Maybe they're not fringe. Maybe they're actually way more numbers than I realize, and I'm the fool. Could very well be. But the point is, if you're going to put that out on social media, aren't you going to get some backlash? And are you going to be offended by that backlash to the point where I can't play with that franchise? I think making that leap is what what's the word it is too big a leap uh too big a leap fine yeah. yeah so multiple words i don't see the direct connection there because no matter where you play play for the washington wizards dc has a huge african american population right wouldn't you still get some of that no matter where you were Aren't you, isn't racism always going to be out there to one degree or another? Are we ever going to eliminate it? I think uh, to your first point about geography, uh, you can't escape it with geography. You, you can't escape racism with geography That and playing the NBA. That's not going to happen. Uh, you know, New York and L.A. are two massive, diverse, cosmopolitan megacities in the U.S., And we have seen both police departments in New York and L.A. front and center because of uh, their their words and their actions. So, I mean, (laughs) Rodney King, that that was probably the first videotape. Now now we see video of police brutality semi regularly, I guess. Uh, That was that was the first big incidents, you know, caught on tape. It was right in L.A. So can you go anywhere? No, I, I think. Um, this just hits the nerve with jazz fans, though. There have been so many players who didn't want to come or wanted to leave in ho- high-profile situations. And you can say versus the, those stories versus the total number of jazz players actually isn't that big a number. But it's been high-profile when it's happened. And, and it hasn't always been black players. I mean, Gordon Hayward, right? But Gordon Hayward stung. 
they now the Jazz traded D Will before he left, but I really don't know anyone who thought D Will was going to stay. I literally don't know anyone. And I talked to jazz people and, and there were people who felt like they had to explain why they did it because they were afraid the media was going to crush them for doing it. And I literally talk, I, I thought it was the right thing to do because I thought he was leaving and multiple media people. When I said, am I up in the night? And they're like, Oh no, he was gone. TV people, writers. I mean, it, it, there were a ton of people who thought that. Um, going back to the nineties, you know, Derek Harper, you go play in Utah. So this is a nerve. And, you know, to your point about it, it's not a, uh, conversation on social media and the players are so sheltered now. It's, it's the way the franchise does it. And it's actually the way I think a lot of franchises do it in the way it's going. They're more sheltered from interacting with the media and Utahns than they were 20 years ago. And, and they were fairly sheltered at that point, but even more so now. And so does he know that? Does he know that backstory? What backstory? About how, how deeply people care about him because how deeply people care about the Jazz and how much they're afraid he's going to leave. And how easily it is for them to feel rejected by a Jazz player. There are a lot of jazz okay, fans yeah. who are very fragile. And we had a discussion. I don't know what did it. We had a discussion about this probably, I want to say two months ago, but I'm bad with time. So maybe it was one and maybe it was four. But it was this. It was definitely in 2020. And I don't know if they were still playing or not. I think, I think the games had already stopped. But I said that this nerve, we were talking with Joe Ingles, actually. I said, this nerve, this goes back, if you've been a jazz fan long enough, this goes back... 35 years and somebody tweeted at me what are you talking about and I said Adrian Dantley and the guy actually googled it um, read some stories and tweeted back at me I'm a jazz fan and I didn't know that you know but the jazz had a really good player they liked him and you know their star player and a coach got into it and the coach was the GM it was Frank Layden and Frank traded him now it worked out because it opened a spot for Carl Malone and we know that story and Carl really took off at that point because he got the ball more and he got to play more and, you know, he got to be the guy. But this is 40 years of this nerve. Now, there were a lot of things that happened on social media and I certainly didn't read all the comments. I looked at one point and I think the Instagram thing had like 3,300 comments or something. I didn't read all of those. I read through about 50 of them and I think I, I got the point here, you know. So... There are so many levels. You were talking earlier in the show that you exchanged a couple texts with Chris Camrani. And then he called you. And you guys talked for an hour. And there were so many things to discuss about the, what, about the issue you guys were talking about. And you didn't say what it was. And you've never spoken to me about this. And when you told the story in the air, I just assumed it was Morgan Scally. But it may not be. Because we got enough things going on. There's social issues now. It could have been something else. But the point is, on any of those issues, there are a lot of things to talk about. And jazz fans don't know Donovan's backstory. Donovan doesn't know jazz fans' backstory. And yet they're going at each other with definitive statements. And it's like, before you really get wound up and judge what's being said here, don't you need at least 45 minutes of backstory? Like you had with Chris? I mean, to me, the answer is yes. And somebody else, the answer is no. You know, the statement stands on its own. 
probably not, but okay, if you want to go with that. But there's this underlying frustration, underlying frustration that's underneath all of this with the Jazz keeping star players. Well, I, I might add that all these players that left, actually the Jazz were not uh, set back any of it. <laughs> there is that. Well, with Dantley, that, that led to Malone. So that, that was a positive yeah. there. Um, and with Hayward, we know Donovan came right in and they won a playoff series again. So there's that. The D will so trade. They, they weren't set back. The D will trade set them. They actually got a better player. Uh, where were they going with Williams? They had reached their peak. Uh, and, and I think that uh, so at some point, you know, you, you're going to tear it down. So, uh, okay, I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Just for argument's sake, I'll give you that. But the Hayward departure, you brought in a player who's just as good for way cheaper <laughs> because of the salary structure, the way it works. Uh, you know, a rookie's going to earn less than a, a nine-year player. And whatever Hay- Hayward's getting at Boston, it clearly isn't worth it. Is at best their third best player behind yeah. uh, Tatum and Walker, and I can argue Brown, and, and who knows what Ainge is going to do there. He's a Wheeler dealer, so I don't think that's really worked out. So from that perspective, worse comes to worse, Mitchell leaves. Well, how do I know that that's just going to decimate the franchise? Secondly, man, for every use, there's 3,300 comments you said. Yeah. And I don't know how many of those were negative because I'm not going to go through and scroll and count them all. But I would venture to say for every one negative comment, I can give you a thousand positive. So if you want love, Donovan, the first game, what's the announcer's name? What's his first name? Is Roberts, right? The PA guy? Dan. Uh, Dan Roberts. There you go. I can't believe I couldn't remember it. But nevertheless, when, the first home game next season when Dan Roberts announces Who's starting at guard out of Louisville? My goodness gracious, the place is just going to be electric. So for every fool out there who may say something that appears to be off-color or racist or ignorant, however you want to phrase it, there's going to be at least a 1,000 people that are going to just bestow all sorts of love upon Donovan Mitchell. So what, what does he need? Does he need was it one bad comment? Does he need a thousand to offset it? Because whatever you need, and I'm not saying he needs it, but just throwing it out there, if that's what he needed, he'll get that anyway. There'll be so much more love that will be exhibited. So that's what I would say, man. Can we start focusing on the positive at some point here? Mm, it's 2020. I don't think so. Okay, well, which I which I think goes to you know mindset. When things are going well, you can ignore the negative. When things are going poorly, it's easy to ignore the positive and focus on the negative. And then it just like it it, it creates its own momentum. So stress and anxiety seem to work. DJ and PK, it's ninety-seven five at twelve eighty the zone. Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo, wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280, The Zone, and The Zone Sports Network. And now, your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealer's strong play of the weekend. 
serious, man. You cannot be serious. That ball was on the line. Shock flew up. It was clearly in. How can you possibly call that out? How many are you going to miss? Now he's walking over. Everyone knows it's in in this whole stadium. And you call it out? Explain that to me, will you? John McEnroe, 39 years ago today, an epic explosion. Now, McEnroe did have a bunch of them, but that was, you cannot be serious. That was that was top shelf right there. And PK, today, we'd have replay and it wouldn't be a thing. It's the Chevy Strong Play of the Game. Know it today. At 450, you win fabulous prizes on the big show. Replay's taking it right out of the game. Has replay taken away an entertainment factor in sports yes if you're not old enough to remember if you're not old enough to remember a manager coming out and going berserk and the stadium erupting then you don't you don't know but uh if i gave you like the three greatest showmen um earl weaver spectacular uh, Lou Pinella, oh man, Lou, Lou Pinella. Now there was a guy who could fire up a crowd. You never knew if he was going to throw a base or what the heck he was going to do. Um, and then uh, Billy Martin with the Yankees. Same deal. Those three uh, come to mind. And there were others who were good, but those three were the three I, I really remember doing it. Um, the football stuff, unless they were mic'd up, it didn't work quite the same way. The pace of baseball kind of encouraged it. Uh, tennis works because oh yeah, it's you can go out on the field and, and argue. Right. Yeah. Yeah. In football, you, the play continues. You right. don't do that. Right. The play clock keeps it going. They, Unless they're mic'd yeah. up, and Jer- so they can't. Yeah. They, if you're they, if you're mic'd come up, out on the field. If you're mic'd up, Jerry Glanville, when he coached the old Houston Oilers, hey, you know what NFL stands for? Not for long. If you keep making calls like that, that was that was a pretty good line. I think he was the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, was he coach Fal- at that time? Falcons when he did that? Okay. Yeah, that was a good line. Yeah, that was it. Was an excellent line. Yeah, and it wasn't live, but we've seen it since. Yeah. Uh, but has replay made sports better? Uh, I would say yes. Having had my team on the wrong end of a horrific call, I would rather have replay. And that's knowing full well that I've lost out on some entertaining blow-ups. As opposed to now, you know, people well, making some yeah. signal, whatever the replay signal is in each sport. Not, uh, But not all things are... Uh, in that way to where it's made it better. One of the things that drives me nuts is in the NBA and in college, the constant going to the monitors, particularly at the end of the game and the going to see caucus. I've been to see caucus. You two have never been to see caucus. I've been to see caucus. In fact, I was on a train just a couple years ago and the next stop was see caucus. And I took a picture of it and sent it to you. You did both of you. I was in an I was in an True Uber. Story. I was in an Uber, and the road diverged. What is this like a poem and a valedictorian speech? The road split, and one way it said Secaucus went an arrow, and the Uber driver was taking me the other way to go where I had to go for my hotel. And but there was a part of me that wanted to think, forget it, let's go to Secaucus, but I didn't do it. 
I don't, I don't now know you far. miss that since you don't travel with the soccer anymore. Yep, that's, that's why I was there. Um, <laughs> I I agree to an extent, but going to the monitor, it, they don't even have to make a call. Just make a call and we'll overturn it. And the over the some of the the calls are so obvious, and then it should take ten seconds to see it went off a of player X's hands. Yep. but it just takes too long. I've often and it thought drives me crazy because I want the flow of the game to yep. keep going. I've often thought that the replay referee should be some uh, junior high kid who's a gamer. You know, a thirteen year old with a joystick could make the call, and we'd just be we'd be right back at it, and it would be no different than retrieving a ball from the third row of a stands. You know, it stops the game for a second, and the fan does, and fan turns around, and holds it up to the crowd, and cheers. Then they throw it to the ref. The player shakes a hand, says something funny. You know, shakes his hand at him. Then they give the ball to the player and he inbounds it and away we go. A 13-year-old could do the replay that quickly. And I do think that what the NFL has started doing, recognizing that for whatever reason, the the 60 or 70-year-old on the joystick is going to take forever, they just go to a commercial and knock one of them out. That's the next best thing. But, man, move it along already. DJ and PK brought to you in part by Zero Res, a clean home is a healthy home. And right now, Zero Res is cleaning carpets for $33 per room, plus schedule three rooms, and they'll clean your fourth for free. Call Zero Res today to schedule your cleaning at 801-288-9376. When we come back, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider, next. Stay with us.